Welcome to Catholic Stuff You Should Know, a J10 initiative. Welcome to Catholic Stuff You Should Know. Welcome to the podcast. A show with all the adventure that you've always been longing for. <laughs> the fulfillment of all desires oh. in the next 45 minutes. No, hey, Father John, Father Mike here um, on a snowy Colorado afternoon. Yet again. Yet again. The snow falls. Yet again, the snow falls. Do you and know, yet like, again, we record there's the a, same. <laughs> there's a lot of different names for snow. Do you know this one? The fluffy kind of big, oh, big flake. Oh, you're literally asking me the name of that flake. Yeah, I don't know. You're a skier. I don't. I like it though. Okay. <laughs> what? It's like the big. It's <laughs> the big. Good, good, it's good the big. For you. The big flakes. Yeah, the big flake. You know, we're no. called the snowflake generation. Have you heard this? It's very condescending. Yeah, that doesn't sound good. Usually, I hear that from Gen Xers. The snow. What is it supposed to mean? I think I, it's better than we all a think millennial. that we're different. I don't like. You don't like millennial. Oh, we all think we're different. Unique. We're all unique. We're different, and, and I guess very delicate. But you don't know the name of that snowflake. You were just that was just. This is why I hate quiz show because nobody actually knows the. No, I'm curious about things. You're a curious man. Um, well, that one is called the abominable mm. snowflake. One of the things that uh, abominable, 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 abominable. <laughs> oh no! Hey, we're drinking coffee here, folks. <laughs> we're really this just two guys who went to grad school and couldn't say words like abominable. I just get I get confused. Too many D's and B's. Well, it's a weird word. It, it, I don't it's, know. It's a strange one. You and know, he doesn't hang out around here. He's isn't he in like Siberia or? I don't know. There's a couple I don't of even words. know what I'm talking about. Right <laughs> there's, now. A, well, there's a couple of words like that that, you know, we, you and I are talking a lot for a living now. We preach and we teach, and so you, yeah. you, you say things Ironically. like supposedly. <laughs> you say things like supposedly. My or Patrick, uh, indispensable. Oh. Is that an I well, or a, a good one. an A at the end? Do you, so you've got like these dozen words in your back pocket that you just pepper in there to sound. Legit, right? Yeah, you gotta say like existential and things that. Oh yeah, transcendentals. Right, like you're a part of CL. You just kind of. I'm just joking. That's shot of friends. I was told um, w- recently that oh the the other priest, he he talks all of this um, theology. Oh yeah. And uh, you talk to the common man. Ah yes, that is and true. I think it was meant to be a compliment. Yeah. <laughs> but I think it was kind of like well, you're. You're just not very bright, but that's know. appreciated. I don't know if that's true. I think you Bible guys are, you do scholarship, but then you also have to popularize because everybody's reading the Bible. Theology, it's yeah. like, who's All right, who's reading that. theology? Just wait till the next podcast that's coming. Goble is going to be, he's going to be sound asleep on this couch. Is it, oh, is it high Christology or no, it's fundamental? On, I am totally into monogenism and reconciling it with modern re- genetic research of ev- that evolutionary theory has developed, which I, I think it's fascinating. I, we've been talking about it all week in class. Oh, cool. And the guys are either really interested or feigning it. But Can if you at least it, give don't. us a definition of monogenism? That's like everything comes from the one strand of genes. That, that yeah, the human race began with one man and one woman. Monogenism, the, the genesis of humanity, one man, one woman. Right, Okay. Yep, I I um, will look forward to. Why didn't you Why didn't you take that topic with me? I because I want Father, you. Father Nathan's just going to make silly. Jokes I actually and, thought about it because somebody said to me, Trevor Lantine recently said he's like, you know, Father Nathan is a nice guy, but he's a terrible 
interlocutor for you. And I was like, thank you. Oh, I appreciate no, that. No, that's a pretty... Dig. That's a strong dig. Well, it's because he, this guy's not going to appreciate your next podcast. Well, he doesn't. He Does won't he listen, listen to this in oh, time, okay. fortunately. Um, so we're supposed to podcast tomorrow, and I actually really wanted to do this topic with you because it has to do with Genesis one and two. But here we are today, re-recording. Yeah. Speaking of things, people always wonder about whatever happened. Like part of purgatory is going to be listening to the lost podcasts. I think for us, it's like you have to go back through all of the stupid things you Why? said. I don't that have I, to pay for that. It's already penance. I know, but I'm just saying, like, I, I, and it was my fault, totally my fault. I take responsibility. No, so no, no. These we're, things we're happen. This That's what I say. Well, I appreciate that, your patience. Um, yeah, so we recorded a whole episode, and then... It was great. It was it awesome. Was, yeah, it was good, but then, and it was with all the, the functioning um, sound equipment, the right. microphones are on, the headphones are working, soundboard is blinking, right. and the computer that's recording was looked fine it turns out that nothing was on (laughs) and nothing recorded which is an interesting analogy for my uh 6 a.m holy hours you know (laughs) that's good that's true everything looks like it's on you know i'm even doing benediction but interiorly the, the the machine hasn't actually nothing's recording you know do you take notes and they're just like gibberish <laughs> or lines. Did you ever have, when I was in high school. Actually, your writing is like that anyway. When I was in high school, I looked back through, I don't save any of this stuff, but I remember having journals where there would be writing and then lines. They would run down the page towards me because I would fall asleep. And literally oh, just, nice. Have you ever seen that? It's it's uh, ridiculous. So, But we're drinking good coffee here, um, thanks to Father Daniel Leonard provided me with Nespresso. Now, I got you a particular mug for a reason, because oh, it's hey. very Mike Rapp. Do you know? What, well, tell me what's comment, going on. I was going to comment on that. Tell me what's going on I with really that mug. I really like it. Um, well, it says Jesus saves. Okay. And then he's holding uh, coupons. Okay. 75 cents off is like a real coupon clipper. Right. You know, if you're trying to save the... Do you pick up pennies? No. My mom does, though. Oh, Really? That must be a Minnesota thing. Well, I don't know. I don't know whether or not to do it. I kind of pick it up because they're litter. Oh, uh, okay. But I don't like pennies. I kind of feel like we should, as a nation, um, cut out the penny. Yeah, just just get rid of the penny. Yeah, skip to the nickel. Somebody gave me a thing of Euro cents, you know, like all the pennies they'd collected in the years in Rome, and Shane Demon handed it off to me, and I was like, Shane, what am I going to do with this? Yeah, so I saved right. it and added to it and then handed it off to Eustermann or somebody. Oh, so. that's kind <laughs> yeah so he's got a thousand euro pennies but okay and then it says jesus shaves right on the same thing and the trouble is yeah he's got a beard it does look a little trimmed but he's got a big scissors in his hand so i think it's the, not a razor the concept of the mug well i don't know where this thing came from by the way it just appeared in our house the concept of the mug is that when you fill it with hot coffee then it it Jesus's beard disappears, and it says Jesus shaves. Oh, that is fancy. Yeah, and clever. There you uh, go. I don't. Yeah, he's kind of got the half. Yeah, this seems like hot coffee. Yeah. So well, it, there he I is. Don't know if it's, Jesus uh, shaves. Big money to the company. Go get go get your mug. There you go. Get your mug. You're not crazy about that mug. Uh no, I like it a lot. It's uh. I just I'm not into mugs. Yeah, you're not a mug guy. <laughs> I've never really been a mug guy. I mean, who are, are there mug guys? <laughs> oh, I think there are mug people out there for sure. Really? Oh, it's yeah. like a collector's item? Yeah. Well, don't you have your one mug? I have my one mug at Goebbels Place. No, nope, I'm not a mug guy. Yeah, you're not a mug guy. Do you yeah. collect them when you go to 
you know, tra- travel to exotic places, Yellowstone. No, no collecting, just the the mug. We got okay. the one. I know there are people listening who understand this. It's like you get your one. Here's Do you remember when you're when you're in Rome? Problem. I used to have that um, that camping tin oh, cup, yeah, that, and the guys from the, the East burner, Coast. Man. That was the weirdest thing. Why, why are you drinking out of a camping mug? It was like, well, it just you feel like you're. That's your mug. Well, I didn't like that one because I had to wear a glove. Yeah. It was like, a, oh, yeah. remember that? It was like a cooking glove, like you were working barbecue or something. I don't know where we got that water boiler, but when we would drink tea, it would, I mean, the thing would almost evaporate. The water, it was well, so and hot. it was a metal cup. <laughs> totally metal. So you'd put the glove on. You remember the about glove? that. <laughs> oh, man. That's funny. Well, we have a uh, before we get to the topic here. We got to we got to sort through an issue here, and uh, this is a little time has passed since we already talked about this last week and then lost it. But um, I have, have this we have idea. like a cheese it cheese it. We it's oh, not Watergate the, che- the, the cheese it gate. Now Ian Wintering is the uh, is the culprit here, but he's done he's done penance and he's he wanted me to point out when you re-record the podcast, please don't make me sound like a jerk. Well, it's too late, jerk. So the backstory is this. Extra toasty Cheez-Its are probably one of the greatest things ever created. My brother got me hooked on these at Thanksgiving. They're dangerous. Do they have extra the same toasty. flavor? Same flavor. There's a little extra toast. Okay. Delicious. A little crisp. So I think being the you know generous, munificent house father that I am, I was like, you know what? I'm going to bring those back for the guys and put them on the main because I'll share the wealth, right? Yeah. I walk Good out of the you. kitchen. I walk back in. Sharing is caring. Ian has taken them from the community shelf and put them into his cubby. He just appropriated the Cheez-Its to himself. So we've begun... I think I asked this last time, but did he put his name on it? No. He just took it and just put it him. on a shelf. He just took him. And so, uh, you know, with as fraternal correction, Matthew 18, first you confront him directly, and he completely freaked out and said, hey, what, what's the problem? They were communal, now they're mine. And, and then you go to the d- brothers, then you go to the church, right? And then you go to the tribunal, and uh, the the strong consensus is that this was a uh, a violation of justice, but I'm curious to get your your thoughts on it. I wonder if your your opinion has changed in the last week. All right, so you live in a house full of guys, and there are things that are communal, right? There, there's a living room with a TV and a couch. You take the TV and the couch and you put it in your room because it's communal, and then you can cl- claim it. Right. You're totally wrong. Right. You're in the wrong. And there's no difference between a couch and a Cheez-It box. <laughs> All right. I think we have a consensus. It was given to the community. Right. Not to your cupboard or whatever. Right. Now, in Ian's defense, he did go out and buy me an entire new box of extra toasty Cheez-Its. All right. Which I promptly gave, delivered to the did communal he, shelf. So he ate the Cheez-Its. He ate the Cheez-Its. We had a nice time. We had chili one night and we ate the Cheez-Its. And he didn't share with anybody. Oh, those were gone. Yeah. Oh boy. Yeah. All the, right. The well, first one is gone, I'm glad he, you made up for it. We're all we've worked it all out. But there's a number of people who listen in Phoenix, and I love. I just love throwing him under the bus. Now it's become a kind of a hobby. He's never going to live that down. Oh, it's great. Poor it's guy great. with his cheeses. Cheese it guy. The cheese it guy. <laughs> the cheese it so. thief. No, he's great. He's good. I he do and, think you know what? It's better that you put it in the cubby than bring it to your room. Right. But still, that's that's putting a claim on something that's not yours. I was writing, I, you, you know, you write these evaluations. You remember what it's like to be in seminary. Every, you have, you know, every five hours you have to do an assessment of something, you know. Really? Self-assessment, peer assessment, oh. apostolate assessment, superior assessment, evalu- everything's evaluated, you know. Does it come with those stickers from elementary school? I voted. Like a gold sticker? 
Yeah, I, that might improve morale. Like one of those boards that you put the stick. You, you remember stick. that? Yeah. In little circles with faces and stuff. Yeah, that might be. I might need to implement that. No, they just fill out the monkey surveys. You oh, know these no. things. I know it's all techno now. I I basically ignore those. Uh, yeah. Don't send them to me because I don't really. I I guess I would have failed seminary. Maybe we'll just start sending. Have people just send you surveys just randomly. I think you like you'd like random surveys, just not required ones. So, anyways, no, I have no, to. No, I. You know what? I don't mind that because I like <laughs> deleting them <laughs> without doing them. <laughs> so I, I was filling out Ian's final evaluation, and I had him take a look at it, and I, because uh, he's being ordained a deacon, and I slipped in there. It was just like blah 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 blah. Good guy. Blah 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 blah. blah. And then I was like, but that bastard ate my Cheez-Its. Oh. Period. And then. Spiritual formation, next section. I just wanted to see if he'd catch it, and sure enough. And he's like, you should leave it. And I was like, I don't think Bishop Wolfstead would think that's funny. Well, yeah, I was going to ask, does that go in his permanent file, the well, that would, Cheez-Its? Wouldn't it be funny, though, to, because nobody actually reads all this bureaucracy, right? All the, that's who, true. Who actually reads this? If you start throwing in wild stuff, like, you know, Matt Christian's turtle collection uh, got a little out of control, yeah, you know, or guy, whatever, just making up crazy this things. This guy has mugs all over his room. <laughs> he's a mug guy. He's a be mug careful. Guy. He's gonna be a neurotic <laughs> mug guy. Uh, would it be would it be acceptable to you if he would have taken a portion of the Cheez Its, put them in a Ziploc bag, and put it in his cubby? Sure. As weird as that would be, <laughs> yeah, I still think that's weird. <laughs> yeah, it's weird. <laughs> that's how I. Think. I'm just gonna borrow the TV for an hour and put it in my room. It's like, yeah, just come and snack on him. <laughs> I, you know, I come from a big family, so I understand the temptation, but yeah, I also yeah. know the rules. You gotta, yeah, you gotta fight for your own in big family. So, well, Ian, God bless you, man. God bless you. Live man. and learn, okay. Live and learn. This is this is formation, folks. This is formation, like in real time. This is what it's really like. You're on the inside scoop. Seminary life, film. There you have it. That's why your priests are a mess because <laughs> everything comes down to the cheeses. <laughs> <laughs> like you haven't prayed, haven't prayed for three months. But what about those Cheez-Its? There's a we're watching Seinfeld on Monday nights here, and it's that episode, the pilot. So it's like season four. Do you, I don't know if you how well your working knowledge of Seinfeld is, but the guy who plays Kramer in the pilot, they're making a show of Jerry Seinfeld's life in Seinfeld in the yeah. show. It's very, very kind of meta. clever, very meta. Yeah, but the guy who plays Kramer, when he was acting, he steals George's raisins off the table, like during oh. the. And so George confronts him, and it's just a fantastic, like... I got to go look it up. Did you steal my raisins? He's like, why would I steal your raisins? And it's just like this... If you want to see Fraternal Correction gone terribly bad, oh, Seinfeld no. has some great models of it, and this guy, that was a great scene. So look it up. There you go. All right. Um, what was I... See, I had this thought of maybe, since we had done this uh, previous podcast, that maybe I would try to remember <laughs> it verbatim. <laughs> And then just recite try it. to get you, try to bait you to say exactly <laughs> the same things. But I don't have it like, it, I, until purgatory, I don't have it to like compare. I wish we had that kind of memory. Global yeah, might be able I, to do I that. He's got that, that. He's got that ability to memorize everything, but that would be really f- scary if we could just re- brilliant. replay the week later the exact same conversation. Yeah. I think I could get you to say some of the similar things. Indubitable, or what did you say? Indubitably. Um, Supposedly? Supposedly. <laughs> My friend uh, Patrick, he told me that everybody in Chicago, like himself, says both. Both. With an L. <laughs> both. Both. <laughs> and he thinks it's weird when people say both. 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 That's both. funny. 
Well, we got the same notes. You got the Bible. I got the same notes. A little bit amended here. I actually really like this topic and was really upset when I tried to mix it a couple days ago and it didn't work. And so I appreciate Mikey. Thank you for going back through it. Nice yeah. sock, nice sock choice today. Just want to put that out there. Oh, thank you. In, in fact, they're the same socks that I wore <laughs> last week for the don't, other don't, podcast. Don't listen to that, Matt Tynan. I uh, confirmed this with Mary Nepple. Oh, I brought, you remember last time I brought you socks? Yes. Oh, yeah. Uh, see, come on, man. We lost it. Those were nice socks. These, I'm not. I haven't been wearing them for a week. Ah, okay. They're just the same. So the topic today <laughs> is uh, like mountains in the Bible. And the spirituality of mountains. Yep. Um, there's all these. I don't see now. I'm like, usually when I go in I fresh, know. then I'm, I didn't it's think I knew you know? this was going to be difficult. Remember that guy we met, Mountain? The only person I've ever met named Mountain. Oh, named Mountain. Remember that guy? He's a guide uh, in Rome. Yes. He would show up at St. Peter's yeah. and in, then jump in on jump the. Jump in our masses. masses. Yeah, nice guy. Mountain. Mountain. What a clever name. And that was before its time. Now you got all these celebrities doing that stuff. I know. But uh, this guy was a pioneer. Pioneer. OG, as they say. All right. Well, maybe I'll, I'll start this way. So I'm on retreat at uh, Camp St. Malo Retreat Center at the base of Mount Meeker. You uh-huh. ever been there? I have been oh, there. Oh, that might, may or may not be the place that you burned down. Yeah. So... That happened. <laughs> um, no, he didn't burn it down. He was just there. Max Jacobs burned it down. I didn't burn it down. He was just, just around my, there, around my the time crew. when it burned right. down. So I'm up there praying, as we we used to do for our seminary retreats. And I was praying the Psalms this time. Mm-hmm. I kind of mix it up. And this time I was praying through the Psalms. I think we were doing like a five-day or eight-day retreat up there. And I got to Psalm 61. And I was very impressed by it because we're at the base of this mountain. I've been going hiking most of the days to, to pray and commune with nature and all of these things. And um, so when I came across this reference to what I, th- what I thought was a reference to a mountain, it really struck me. So Psalm 61 starts, Hear my cry, O God, listen to my prayer. From the end of the earth I call to you when my heart is faint. Then it says, Lead me to the rock that is higher than I, for you are my refuge, a strong tower against the enemy. Lead me to the rock that is higher than I. And I mm. might have been using a different, this is uh, RSV, and I think I was using a Jerusalem Bible or something, but it could have said rock, it could have said mountain. But I got this image in my mind, lead me to a rock that is higher than I, of how when you hike, you get to a kind of precipice that you can see above you, and then it opens out to another horizon. And there's probably more mountain to climb, but it seems like I'm going to get to the top. Right. And sometimes it's a, like a false summit, but sometimes it's just like along the way on the hike. You get to a point that you've never been to. You see much more. It's like the, the view opens up. Say you come out of the trees and you start to get... And, uh, and the Lord does this thing with His grace where... You think you're coming up on the as high as you can get, and uh, and to the precipice, and then it opens up to the whole new thing. Uh, there's always something higher. Now I know you like to climb to the top of mountains, but there is um, there was for for me the sense of I'm going to take you to a 
uh, a rock that is higher than you, a mountain that is higher than you throughout life. Huh. You know, this is just the Christian life. Yeah. Is that you go and you have expectations and then they're met and then there's more. And in a good way, I think most of the time. From glory to glory is another kind of reference that's similar, I think. Haven't you heard that? From glory to glory. From glory used, to glory. Used similarly? Yeah, I like, I like this image. I'm just kind of pondering it. I, I, haven't, I don't remember that um, specific line from the uh, thing. I'm also nervous about the machine. So I'm just going to talk oh, to her here. Sure that was a good setup for this mountain climber over here. And then he's distra- good. I don't think it's broken. Distracted by the thing. No, it's he, good. And he gives me the like the empty eyes. No. <laughs> that are like, yes, I'm paying attention. And he's well, not paying yeah, attention. Glory to glory. Yeah, <laughs> but I sure, don't know what he's right. love that. Just love that. So, life. no, Father John's Mike. a mount- mountain climber, <laughs> and uh, I'm kind of a wannabe mountain climber. You climbed and the Zoog's pits. We talked about this last time. I know. I'm trying, to bait, you. I'm trying to bait you into saying the exact same thing. <laughs> what is this? Ah. What is this nonsense? Yeah. So I did. Well, I like this story, though. I, we were on this uh, highest peak in Germany, I believe, Zug Spitz. And then um, I'm going up there. Like Father John says, oh, yeah, let's go, let's go climb this mountain. So I'm game. Right, That's which, basically is, all, my which rule. is one of your best qualities. I'm game. Yep. And so then I, we, we're going up this thing, and there's some like steep, cliff of climbing and on bolts and stuff like that and i didn't like that no it got a little hairy and then we go you know traversing across this thing and then you come up on a glacier and this thing is a big sheet of ice that's real steep and you kind of have to like kind of sneak tiptoe yeah. across the uh, across the upper edge of this thing hoping that you don't lose your grip and slip because you will rip all the way down <laughs> the slide into the rocks below, hundreds of feet below. Right. Okay. And so then we're coming across this thing. It's like freaking me out. And we get to the other side and I had to like stop and uh, take a chill, relax because I was real freaked out. And uh, you're like, oh, why are you, why are you scared? You scared? I don't <laughs> and, remember this part, but yeah. And uh, this is in my, my mind. So then, uh, and this, but this part is real. I say, yeah, I'm scared. That was that was dangerous or whatever. And then I look down, and Father John has these shoes with great big spikes on them, <laughs> so that you can just climb wherever you want, like a right. Spider Man. Right. I've got my old worn out tennis shoes and this heavy pack that's trying to like throw me. Right. And of course, it's not scary for you. He's yeah. like playing it cool. Playing it cool with crampons on. Yeah. Crampons, that's what they're called. The Zug Spitz, folks. That was a, uh, Zug Spitz. a great a great memory. Um, some things are lost historically in that uh, telling, but um, you know what? It's a great great memory. And then I had to use this harness. <laughs> that is true. We and did. We shared a harness. I was, I was nervous about this thing. Yep. And I learned you're supposed to bring your own gear. Yeah. <laughs> that's a classic rule of climbing. <laughs> but I'm not much of a client. I'm more like an adventurer, I, I right. say. Right. Your game. I'm game. Your game. All right, so back to bi- mountains in the Bible. One of the reasons I'm I'm not thinking about Psalm 61 of the Zug Spitz here is because I just want to make sure I don't distract you from your uh the telling of this content that you have. Of the the Zug Spitz thing? No, no, of the uh of the Bible. Oh, I have the topic. You're a Bible guy. Well, now I'm I distracted. you're so relatable. I mean, everything you're saying is so relatable. Yeah, that's what I am. Common man. <laughs> 
So I, I like literally played a character called the common man in a man for all seasons one time yeah. in seminary. That was a play we did. The common man. Okay, so how's our I see now I'm distracted by how many clicks we are. Because I didn't look at my it's seven hundred and nineteen clicks or whatever that is. What's your guess? Uh I don't know. Twenty minutes? Twenty minutes, maybe not even. Twenty, fifteen. Okay. You're good. All right, so um, the Lord is going to take us to a rock that's higher than the one we know, right? A peak that's higher than the one we know. And that's, that's the life of grace. Uh, and, and I think also the life of uh, the intellectual life of the Christian, that there are moments of insight that draw you into a deeper mystery, and it just keeps going from one place to another. And there is truth. You can, I mean, there's like points and fundamental points of uh, kind of doc- doctrinal anchors, but there's a lot of adventure and a lot of mystery right. worth exploring and that brings, yeah, brings greater insight all the time. No? I think of the uh, the rock greater than you is also kind of a, the Christological meaning of that that psalm of Christ being something yeah, that is above rock. us that's, that's greater than us. Mm. It's not just about us bagging 14ers and kind of in the spiritual life, whatever that equates to, but that he's always kind of greater than us and calling us to the heights. Yeah. And the Im- and an image that's used is um, of a fortress at the top. You think of Assisi. You remember Assisi yeah, has that... Yeah, Roca. Yeah, Roca Maggiore, the big rock on top. It's like a, a fortress because you could look out upon the valley and see if your enemy was coming and you could hide in there for safety and all these things. So. Isn't it funny how in Italian these things sound so amazing? Rocca Maggiore, and it just means the big rock. Big rock. Or like somebody was like, oh, you have these Italian ski boots, scarpa. And I was like, you know what scarpa means? Boots. Boots. They <laughs> <laughs> just named them boots. <laughs> it is. But it's yeah, funny to think about that. It's a lovely language. The big rock. Everything yeah. is beautiful. All right, so that got me thinking I'd like to explore... Um, the adventure of bi- uh, mountains in the Bible for my own, like, I don't know, my own prayer, but also um, try to explore it out loud with the podcast. No? So we do. So there's all these different mountains in the, uh, in the telling of both in the Old Testament and the New Testament. And I want to do like a series that involves the spirituality of mountains. I'll spread it out so that if you're bored with this topic, then whatever, you don't have to do it. But there's mountains like the Mount of Beatitudes and Mount Sinai and Mount Tabor, Mount Zion, the heavenly mountain of Revelation, Mount Ararat, all of these different, uh, Mount Olivet. Okay, so there's all these different mountains that play into salvation history, each of them has significant stories that accompany them. Um, Which mountain has the ski resort again? That's Mount Hermon. Mount Hermon. Uh, right. So we talked about, oh, man. Know, we talked we about everything. We got some good stuff. Uh, well, I'll tell the Hermon thing. Tell the Hermon thing. Because I like the Hermon thing. Yeah. So um, <clears throat> Mount Hermon is the only peak that uh, has, is snow-capped in the, in the area of the Holy Land. You look north, well, it's, yeah, it's kind of on the edge of the state of Israel right now. It's shared, this mountain is shared by Lebanon, Syria, and Israel. And um, 
it's got the it's got the height to have the have the snow on top. It's the only place where uh, there's or so so near the bottom on the Israeli side is a ski resort. There's only a couple of lifts, not a whole lot of terrain, but it's a place you can ski. And I like to say that it's the only place that Jesus Jesus skied. skied yeah, I like that. And I guarantee that he did. He's right. a carpenter. What do you think he was making? Exactly. Tables, <laughs> sleds, toboggans, skis, dude. I love it. Maybe a snowboard. This is okay. fine exegesis here. So, uh, and you can see it from most of uh, the north, like in Galilee. You Any can, of the higher you can places, see, you can see it. You from can Galilee. see Mount Hermon, yeah. And at the base of Hermon is Caesarea Philippi. That's probably in the Gospels the place that is closest to. Okay. It's right at the base of Mount. That's Hermon. where you get your apres ski. You know, apres ski is that the, spritz after the oh, ski yeah. day. You go to yeah, Caesarea. Caesarea Philippi, okay. the pagan shrine, right? Yeah, probably. Okay. That sounds about right. That sounds like Colorado. Yeah. Go to the Pagan Shrine. Yep. Where people, what do they worship? People worship at the uh, the Opry Ski in Colorado. They worship uh, Ski Bunny Beauty mm-hmm. and Epic Stories, man. Right. I caught that. Okay. <laughs> Go ahead. <laughs> John was, we already went over this. He's like bored. I'm not bored. <laughs> I'm not bored. All right, so you you had asked, and I did the I went in and got some research. So you had asked how high some of these mountains are, right? Right. Just like, what are we like talking when we say what is it, when we say mountain? What do we and what is the Hebrew or the Greek here? Hebrew is har har, and harim is plural. Huh. And then you got oros 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 is the mountain in Greek. Okay, so we're talking like this. You know, Mount of Transfiguration is called. What's the name of the mountain? Mount Tabor. Mount Tabor. A whole. Don't give me this quiz show nonsense. <laughs> I'm here to learn, not okay. be examined. The elevation of Mount Tabor is a whopping 636 feet high. Ooh. Really? Yeah. <laughs> Jeez, Imagine I thought that. it was a lot bigger than that. 636. And I think that's above sea level. So. Yikes. It just rises. What's the normal. That's not even Lookout Mountain. Right. That's like Green Mountain. Yeah, yeah. This is a hill. Jeez. Um, compared to Mount um, Zion, that is Jerusalem, 2,520 feet. Oh. But that's because Jerusalem level. is up, right? Right. So from Jericho, you just go on this steady incline up to Jerusalem. Okay. Then you have the captain, Mount Hermon, 9,232 feet. So that's a respectable mountain. In the words of Debbie Coop, that's respectable. Yeah, right, right, exactly. You guys got eight guys. That's respectable. That's respectable. (laughs) Mount Mount of the Beatitudes, 190 feet. No. What? That's That's what. That's what uh, Google... That's the gain. Yeah. I mean, so the the lake is is, uh, at sea level, I believe, or close. The Dead Sea is like below. Dead Sea is below sea level. That's crazy. I just, I don't know. 190 feet. Wow. Well, you're kind of going up the These hill. These are baby mountains. They are. Little but hills. Nine, but 9,000 feet, that's that's substantial. I mean, that's pretty high. Yeah, that's Mount Hermon. Especially compared to all these other ones. If Tabor's only 600 feet. And Mount Carmel's like a range, right? It's kind of like a long. Yeah. Mount Carmel. Set of. 1,791. Okay. So it's also a range res- of forested hills. Okay. 
Um, but there were probably shrines on top. You remember uh, Elijah fights the right the prophets of Baal. Now that would be quite a movie, huh? If they made that one. Oh yeah, and then the she bear. The she bear, yeah. Yeah, well, I you'd hate. You, I'd wonder how Hollywood would spin them. Yeah. But uh, yeah, okay. So you got you're climbing in these mountains, these hills. How about Ararat? Mount Ooh. Ararat in Turkey. It's um, so the flood happens, and they're talking about how the the um, the ark touches down on the first dry place. So this is the highest point that they would have known. Mount Ararat. Mount Ararat in modern day Turkey. Turkey. Sixteen thousand eight fifty four. Oh wow! So that's legit, right? Oh, bigger than anything we got. We got fourteeners here. Sixteen thousand eight fifty-four. Okay, in Turkey. All right, so you're imagining. Hopefully, we've we've wet your. What is Mount Sinai? Do you know? Interest. Mount Sinai seven thousand four hundred ninety-seven. Okay. And that's in what southern? No, well, what is it? Eastern Egypt. Eastern Egypt. Okay. So yeah. Okay. So. We're getting up to the mountains, and on the mountain, I want to recommend that people pray with St. Ignatius's application of the senses oh, and imaginative yeah. prayer. Oh, I forgot about this part of the... Okay. Yeah. We're doing it all. <laughs> well, I, I mean, that was, that was kind of my stress. I, I mean, you could, I could just teach about the mountain, but... I wanted them to go and pray on the mountains. Right. You want them to use their imagination to actually pray with the yeah. place. Yeah. Yeah, particularly which is what with Saint Jesus Ignatius says. We talked about this last week, which never came out because I'm an idiot. But the composition of place is very important for the way that Saint Ignatius prays. That's right. And so he wants you visualizing the mountains, you engaging the imagination, placing yourself. I think I told the story of the kid, and I think I've told this before, but the funny little kid I had in Totus to us, and we were using imaginative prayer. And I said, "Okay, what is the room like? This is the Last Supper. What is the room like?" And the kid goes, raises his hand. He goes, "The room was full of breakable objects." <laughs> and I was like, "Only kids view the world in terms of breakable and non-breakable objects. It's so funny." So, yeah. So, anyways, what the, does that mean for him? <laughs> like, it's a special place. I'm thinking like Yadros and stuff like that. What is Yadros? You never had a Yadros? We had these things. We broke one as a kid. That no, was almost the end. I have no end. idea Uncle what Steve, a Yadros. That sounds Greek or something. Uncle Steve threw it's German, I think. Uh, no, those are Goebbels. Goebbels are the little... Goebbels? They have what Goebbels. What are you talking about now? <laughs> you don't know what I'm talking about? Yadros. Google this I stuff. think you're making this up. All right, look up Yadros later. So what is it? My Uncle Steve, we were having a pillow fight, and I was little, and he threw it across the room. My brother and I ducked, and it smashed one of the Yadros, and <laughs> we were almost... Like orphaned after this. It was so bad. Is it a vase? Jeez, man. You're going to make me look this up right now? No, they're little. Is it one of those figurines that's like real expensive people collect? Yeah, I think. Was it I a think, mug? I don't even know how to spell it. Yadros. <laughs> Porcelain right. figurines. Porcelain figurines. Yeah, that's what, that's it. And they're just like little, little girls with baskets Spanish of Spanish. Oh, they're stuff. Spanish. Yadro. Yeah. Spanish. Porcelain. Porcelain, ceramic figurines. What is porcelain? Is it clay that's okay. baked and stuff? I, I guess. All right. All Yadros. Right. That's funny. I've never actually thought about what Yadros are. On a, yeah, the old <laughs> Yadros tangent. 
Oh boy. Oh boy. Uh, once you start with when you start a podcast talking about collectibles, <laughs> you can never put it down. I'm putting this in somebody's uh, final eval. His Yadro collection is a little inordinate. Oh no. Uh, okay. All right. Yeah. Give back the Cheez-Its. That's right. All right. So, <laughs> uh, yeah, let's talk about Ignatian prayer. So composition of place is important. Uh, Ignatius suggests that when you go to pray, you set aside an hour, and you find a comfortable position, prayer position. Like if you are more comfortable sitting, um, standing, you could be walking, but that can be distracting. You want to like minimize distractions and uh, have enough comfort that you can kind of forget your body and focus on your imagination, but also not enough comfort that you fall asleep like you do in holy hour. Right. Okay, so uh, you get in this this comfortable place, you breathe a little bit, you ask for God's grace um, to enlighten you, and you ask for a particular grace that you want to receive through this prayer. Now, he's not always going to give exactly that, but it's right. good to express something. Right. And sometimes you know kind of like the meditation you're getting into, so you know to ask for something associated or whatever. You can ask for anything. Okay, so then you you start to compose the place. That is, you set the stage in your imagination of where you're going to be praying. And usually this is associated with some mystery in the Bible. So I'm going to suggest the Mount of the Beatitudes and kind of try to fill out that picture. Should we do that or transfigure it? You got this grin on your face. <laughs> Because we're repeating. I'm too still much? trying to figure out what a yadro actually oh, is. Come on, I'm talking to the blank wall here. I might as well be facing it. You're talking to the computer. No, oh, no, 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 no. Boy, no. I'm thinking about um, a number of things. Uh, number one, that um, you know, so we think oftentimes that prayer is something that you really should be on your knees the whole time, uh, and if you're weak, you can sit down. You know, but you really should just be kind of, you know. Ramrod straight, as Goebel would say, kneeling and just focused. And it's like, yeah. well, maybe. Because yeah, that's like yeah. the God God position. Yeah, God likes that, this. And your hands are perfect. And the, and that's just very different. That's, that's, that's Eastern. That's yoga. That's the technique-based religiosity. That's not the Christian life, right? Well, we wait dis- a minute. What about like a, a position of penance? He talks about that. Ignatius talks about right. So there are there are positions, meanings to positions. Positions are meaningful, but the position itself does not affect the. It doesn't make the prayer efficacious. Okay, I guess what I'm saying it's like the position is at the service of deepening one in intimacy. And now you shouldn't be sitting like I'm sitting here. I don't know if that's very helpful. You'll be asleep, you know. But yeah, Ignatius just Gronsky would talk about that. If you're sitting, whatever you're natural disposition is to enter into the meditation. Yeah. That doesn't mean liturgic and people. So if you're kneeling, this is a penitential thing. It is generally painful. Right. And which can help you to enter in like solidarity with the pain of the stations of the cross, for example, or, um, it is, it's also a position of honoring somebody. So when right. at the consecration, we kneel, but it's not like if you're going to do an hour of meditation, Kneeling is going to be distracting within 10 minutes. Right. Even for somebody who's trained that way. Right. Yeah. So that that was just that, just to say, yeah. St. Ignatius stresses this. I think it's helpful. Um, but yeah, let's go with Beatitudes. Well, we're not there yet. Oh, we're okay. still setting up the prayer. 
Oh, okay, sir. Okay, so you set aside an hour, you get your comfortable position, breathe a little, ask for grace, ask for God to enlighten you, and then you're going to enter into this place. So imagine that the Mount of Beatitudes, it's this grassy grassy field, a, an elev- like a, a slow grade sloping, I don't know, what. How do, how do I describe that? Slow grade sloping, yeah, gradual slope. <laughs> That's a good word. I, is that, yeah. There's a great breeze that comes off the Mount of the Beatitudes. We talked about this last time, but the, this is one of the most peaceful and amazing spots I think I've ever been to. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, this this nice cool breeze kind of coming gently off of the uh, off of the lake, and um, you're up. I guess you're only up a couple hundred feet, but it feels like you're a lot further up. And it's just it's a place of absolute peace. Yeah, and the grass is green. The north side of the uh, Sea of Galilee slopes up up to a plateau. The grass is green. It's lush. There's a lot of verdure. Verdure. Remember, I like the word verdure. Um, So this is a place of comfort. Everybody is kind of sitting there. Jesus goes up on the mountain, and he sits and teaches them, right? Mark's gospel uniquely says there was a lot of grass there. Right. Um, it's, uh, yeah, it's a comfortable place. It's a green place. Um, it's a place where Jesus frequently went to pray. You know, it's, the tradition is that the lonely place referred to in the gospels is, uh, located there on that hill. So Jesus would go there, he'd overlook, he'd look over the lake and then it was really peaceful. So he's bringing people to his special, Special place? Happy place? It's happy place. Happy, okay. <laughs> I don't know. Go to your happy place. That's a little... <laughs> I don't you said bring, it. I don't want to bring up the reference. Yeah. Um, that is a common uh, a common tool, technique for psychologists to help you to relax. So this one, is, this technique of Ignatius is going to give you lots of happy places. All right. Okay, so you go up on the hill with Jesus, and then you're going to use your um, use your the senses in your imagination to build the scene. It's like a stage that you're building. So you're going to say, "What do I see? You know, what do I smell? What do I hear? What do I taste? What do I touch, feel? Right? Right. It's five. Okay, so you're, you're using all your senses in your mind to fill out this picture and, uh, and to compose the place, right? So he says, um, this is an exercise called the composition of place. Right. Okay, so then, then your imagination's all ready. Then you meditate. Meditate means you um, think on the story or the characters. And um, you ask yourself what happened here. You might read it from the Bible, um, the the account, especially in Matthew, uh, the Sermon on the Mount happens Matthew five to seven, but the Beatitudes are right at the beginning. So that's just a collection of verses at the beginning. So you might want to read through that after you've composed the place. You can think on some of the some of the stuff that you've heard about these stories, or you know, theology you've heard about the Beatitudes, or any of this stuff during the meditation. Then uh, and that's all maybe within 15 minutes. You do 15 minutes in your hour that way. And then you spend the next 40 minutes just in contemplation. So then you're going to stay there in the scene and you're going to let God uh, meet you there. 
you can be, uh, you're going to be quiet during this time and listen to see if God is going to speak to you in some way, is going to do something in the story. So you're asking yourself, like, where am I in the story? Am I one of Jesus' disciples sitting close? Am I a spectator way out in the, the back? Um, what's my attitude? Am I cynical about this whole thing? Who is this guy? I'm curious. I'm um, a follower, but I'm like a kid with the loaves and fishes, or I'm, you know, whatever. You're, you're trying to ask, like, where am I in this situation? And then uh, let the imagination go. and Let God kind of, um, I don't know, use that power that we have. We have this intellectual power of imagination where God can meet us and then and act in that place. So maybe someone will say something to you. Maybe you'll hear one of the Beatitudes in a particular way. Um, it could, yeah, you just don't know what's going to happen. It's very, very diverse. I've given the exercises and everyone who prays these things prays over the same story and in the same kind of composed place. And it's dramatically different for every person. And some people are more imaginative than others. But the key is, um, you know, we don't just, we pray as human beings, you know. So uh, we pray with our intellect, with our will, with our imagination. Um, And so, but yeah, it's just, it's going to look different. But it is, it is interesting how just so different people can have different experiences. Sometimes it'll be very vivid images, sometimes not. But I'll, but God works in the midst of that, according to kind of, you know, your own particular style. I guess. Yeah, absolutely. Speaks to us. What is that old principle? Recipiter, 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 recipiter. In the mode of the recipiter. <laughs> quid quid. Quid quid. Um, they, they're like, what are you talking about? That was about? Latin. That's, that was very complex Latin. That's for Saint you. Thomas Aquinas. That which is received according to the mode of the receiver. Yeah, that which is received is received according to the mode of the receiver. (laughs) Recipiter, 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 mode. Recipiter, recipiter, recipiter. Okay, so you're going up the mountain with Jesus, and the Mount of Beatitudes is packed with a lot of um, illusion. Oh, yeah, you seem excited about this. Stop it. Stop looking at me. Just just talk. Just yawning. (laughs) Huge yawn. I've been yawning. I was yawning while I was teaching this morning. All right. Okay, so uh, packed with illusion, Jesus goes up on the mountain, and this is reminiscent of um, Moses going up on the mountain where he receives the law. Um, he, where God speaks to him, and you pointed out last time, but I'm going to steal this one, that Jesus is giving the law, whereas God gave the law to Moses. Right. Here's Jesus, Jesus giving the law, speaking as the voice of God, giving the new law. Yeah, that's true. I uh, I'll steal something from you then in in return here. Sweet, take your cheeses. Cheeses. <laughs> I love, and I've been thinking about this all week. The thought that I think you maybe were working on um, Borsma, Bursma. Yeah, Bergsma. Bergsma um, says that the garden, Garden of Eden, was on a mountaintop. Yeah, because the rivers flow down from it. Yeah, and I I just. I love that. Isn't that great? Yeah. And then you think about every every covenant, you know, Uh, Mount Moriah, Mount Sinai, the Mount of the Beatitudes, all the way to the book of Revelation and the mountaintop. Everything is about returning us back to the mountain. Yeah. And 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 God calling us to the mountaintops and just the symbolism and the richness of that whole spirituality of Christian spirituality of the mountaintop. And then you see that we've been to Scalic Michael, these rock cliff mountains oh, yeah. off the coast where they film Star Wars. And it's like, 
people just want to go up there. Monks just want to, always to the heights, you know. Yeah. And if but if there's something in us primordially that says we belong on the mountaintop. Yep. Because that's where we were made. This is Eden. Yeah. I love. I just. I thought this that was paradise. just that was some good toasty cheeses. Yeah. And then so there's an allusion there to Moses. There's an allusion to Eden. This place is green. It's a place of comfort. It's a place of rest in particular. They're resting there with God, with Jesus on the mountain, and, and then hearing him speak. Blessed are these things. You remember God speaks um, at the time of creation. It is good. It is good. It is good. And Jesus is saying, happy are those. Happy are those. Blessed are those. In part because he wants to encourage people to be living poor in spirit and living um, for the sake of righteousness and uh, sacrificing for the sake of righteousness. All of these things, living meek that are mentioned in the Beatitudes. But also, blessed are you because Jesus is here. This is possible, right? Mm -hmm. If you, it's okay that you're mourning because you'll be comforted. There's this, there's this hope that, that rests in Jesus' presence there. So it's flipping everything on its head. Like all of these problems in life, Jesus is saying, here, uh, things have changed because I'm here. Now you're happy. Now you can be happy. Now you can be blessed. Um, makarios, you know, your favorite word from, um, from the Greek. You know, blessed are you, happy are you. It's reminiscent of Psalm 1. Uh, blessed is the one who uh, meditates on the law of the Lord day and night. He is like a, a tree that rests by the water or is that, a, that is planted by the, the water whose roots are fed, stays green forever. And in this green place, Jesus is, is speaking about the law, giving them something to meditate on day and night that's going to keep their souls fresh. So the synoptic authors are talking about green, lush area where the giving of the law, the new law is. Mm-hmm. And that word, makarioi, is the connecting point between Psalm 1. That's beautiful. Yeah, it's the way that the Psalms Makarios, start. which we talked about last week, is different than eudaimonia, which is not in the scriptures, which is kind of the philosophical word for happiness. Mm-hmm. And it means something different, right? Beati- we mean something blessed. Beatitude this is something, is something that I think higher. Yeah. And more mysterious. But, at, yeah, elevated. Eudaim- eudaimonia is like um, a balance of all things. So there's no excess. So it's it's kind of like the best that you can get on your own without God's grace. Like it's just a bit, it's the best of human life. It's like satisfaction. It's this sort of calm that comes from a measured life. Right. But it's not it's not spirit filled. You know, it's not a life of faith, hope, and love. And um, yeah, it's not the it's not the beatitude of the Christian. Okay, so you got Eden. You got Psalm 1, it's, it's reminiscent of Psalm 23, the Lord is my shepherd, there's nothing I shall want. He leads me to verdant pastures. It's like Jesus and his flock. In fact, uh, the scriptures talk about Jesus from the same place, saying, looking upon the people and feeling pity for them because they're like, a sh- they're like sheep without a shepherd. You know? And then he becomes their shepherd. So there's, uh, If you were going to describe this area compare it to one part of the United States in terms of this green, because we don't have this kind of green in Colorado. No. We have like a, we have about a month of like awesome green and then, yeah. and then you got to go to the mountains um, to get green. But what do you, what would, how would you describe it? Because is there any other areas or, is this Minnesota green? Is this oh, like, boy, uh, oh boy. I've seen forests that are exceptionally green in Georgia. Um, 
I just don't know, like, the grassy... Because it's not foresty, right? It's grassy plains, but it's not like... Our our grasses are, like, kind of... Um, well, they're desert grasses. Right. This is the kind of thick grass that's like a an overgrown, slightly overgrown golf course uh. where you can chill there, and it's, it's warm, and it's... Um, but it's so soft. It's like thick. But I don't... I'm, we don't really have that a whole lot here. No. Do you know... Remember the mountains in... Switzerland. Now this sounds pretentious, but whatever. Um, the mountains in Switzerland that are covered with grass, and they are soft. Yeah. You imagine like Heidi is over there, yeah, and she's yeah. blowing the Alpine horn and right, and yodeling and stuff, and it's just it is delightfully right. soft. You know, place you can chill on a mountainside. All right, so you're up there. There's it's uh, there's an allusion to Abraham, where. Um, Abraham has promised this blessing um, to to the really to his ancestors, right? To the people of Israel, and Jesus now is talking about blessing of the whole earth. You know, the universal expanding, receiving the blessing as the son of Abraham, the father in faith, and then expanding that um, through throughout the world. This blessing belongs um, to the kingdom of God and anyone who possesses that, right? Okay, so you've got all these images. The, the Beatitudes themselves describe something of the life of heaven. There you'll find rest. There you'll find, um, you, you, you'll inherit the earth. There you receive the kingdom of God. You see the face of God. Blessed are the pure of heart. They shall see God. Um, all of these give a character of what we're meant for. And this image of heaven, and in in relation, it's the face of Jesus. So you're there contemplating, who is this this person in front of me who is um, heavenly, you know, and shows me where I'm going. You know, that kind of serenity, that kind of peace, that that joy and hope, that confidence that Jesus has. It's interesting how in the Sermon on the Mounts, he gives the Beatitudes, which Mother Teresa was once asked, what is your program? And that's what she said, it's the Beatitudes. Mm. That's kind of the program of Christian life. But if you're thinking of it in light of the, the old law given by Moses in Exodus, which is the first time that uh, you hear the word ecclesia in the Greek, so the church. Oh, yeah. Right? Once the law is given, but that's a whole other topic. Um, but he starts with the Beatitudes and then reinterprets that line we had from Scripture, I have come not to abolish but to fulfill. And then he walks through mm-hmm. the precepts of the law and explains how... He brings these things to fulfillment. But it's interesting how it's not just, okay, guys, let's recap. Here's the Ten Commandments. And by the way, you know, quit doing this and talk about this. But he he shows what, it's like the interiority of the law, mm-hmm. like of what it's lived. And then when you enter into him, it's the reinterpret reinterpretation of all law, right? Yeah. Um, I don't for, know. For example, we've been preaching about this because it's in the lectionary, right? Uh, you have heard it said... You shall not kill, and anyone who kills his brother will be liable to judgment. I say to you, don't even harbor um, wrath or anger at uh, towards your brother in your heart. And um, and he's talking about he's talking about something deeper, but it's not just like oh hey, there's a spirit behind the law too. It's it's also uh, colored with this presence of Jesus that allows for a deeper following of a rule. Right. You know, he is 
he is the power to do what we could not. It was enough for us, like as far as we could go was don't kill somebody. But now it's like, because Jesus is here, you can love people that are your enemies. You can forgive. You can seek reconciliation. He says, go and make peace with your brother before, right? So the possibilities of fulfilling the law also expand with, with Jesus kind of expecting more. You know? right. But I think people get hung up on that expecting thing. Like, oh man, now I could never live up to that. Right. He raises the standard. But the point is, he provides grace to fulfill what we could not. Okay, so Jesus is up on that mountain. You're going to go in prayer, chill with Jesus, hang out, and um, and uh, compose the place with Ignatius, and then sit there in contemplation, see what happens. I, I don't know how to tell you strong enough how important and powerful and profound this kind of prayer can be. Right. You know, like, I, it sounds a little bit like, okay, an hour is a long time to sit there, and what am I going to do? It's imagination and stuff. But I promise you that if you try this and if, um, and if you, if you really set the scene, the, the Lord will meet you in that imagination and fire up that prayer. This is going to come out, uh, the Thursday before Ash Wednesday. And so if you're looking for something to do during Lent, this is a great thing to say, I'm going to take, I'm going to take an hour a week for adoration and, you know, try and build in time every day for personal relational prayer. 15 minutes, whatever you can do, but try and get that hour, even if you have kids and are married, like to just go to adoration and just say, I'm going to meditate on these six gospel stories with the Ignatian style. Timothy Gallagher has great books on this, on how to enter into Ignatian prayer, if you want to learn more about that. Uh, But just, I would say, just start doing it. Yeah. And keep it simple. So don't, you know, like, don't spend your hour reading through all six of your stories or through Gallagher's book. I just, no, you yeah. Know, that's, just, that's, yeah. You're just going to take one one little story and then uh, go there. Right. Okay. Hey, even, that's if it. You, even if you, uh, nothing's recording and the machine's on, well, you're there. Wait, are you referring to the last one or did we just talk? I'm referring to myself and Holy Hour. In vain. In oh, vain. I see. No, we're good. The machine is on, so. All right, well. Thank you, Mikey. Blessings, everybody. Quick shout-outs here. I, uh, Last Monday, gave a talk on Mary to um, the Walking with Purpose Women's Group at Good Shepherd. Shout out to Alexandra and Kate, who asked me to come and do it. And uh, women are so thoughtful, you know. You, you have a cold, and so what do you get? They, they Here's some Dayquil and some oh, cookies yeah. for your guys. Emergency. Like, Emergency, I know. It was amazing. So thank you for all of that. Um, but they're funny, you know. They, they said, let's talk about Mary for 10 minutes, and then we'll do Q&A. Okay thinking like this is going to be like what's your favorite saint you know um what kind of shampoo does father nathan use these kind of things no it was like would you know how to answer that he uses multiple shampoos but that's all yeah i I don't but but then they go for it and they're like uh our first question is um can you explain the uh the role of sacrifice uh especially blood sacrifice animal sacrifice in the old testament and what are the origins of that and i was like oh i need mike rap here for that um so Anyways, had a great night with them. And some of them are podcast listeners, so shout out. Well, to I respect them. that question, though. That's yeah, <laughs> ambitious. Well, you can go next time, and I'll I'll, I'll give the referral to you. To uh, they're studying the Book of Hebrews, that's why. So uh, cool. Shout out to those ladies uh, who listen to the podcast, and uh, it was a great great night to be with you. Always great to talk about Mary, and then uh, the role of women in the church in the light of Mary. Uh, so good to be with them. All right, so I want to shout out. Um, 
pa- Patrick Devenny and uh, Stephanie Giltner. This is a great c- uh, couple at uh, at uh, the parish who are uh, going to be married in July, I believe. They are. Uh, we just had this gala. It was like a fundraiser for the school, and uh, Patrick was the MC, and he took the. He, he, he's a gambler. Oh. All right, this guy. He's bold. And he, and he made the bold move of wearing the turtleneck with the suit coat. Oh, yeah. And, I mean, that's... It, it, was, uh, it was a risky move, and he won. He, he won. won. He won the I mean, he got... The I just, people were impressed. I was impressed. His fiance was impressed. Good on you, Patrick. Well did, played. Did he play the turtleneck as a joke or just played it dead serious? Well, it wasn't a joke. He was just it was wearing the turtleneck. dressing up. Right. But dressing up unique, bringing back the turtleneck. So, oh, it was totally cool. Um, and then Stephanie, she, um, we talk Wall Street Journal. Oh, do you? And she's an investment, okay. and she's brilliant. Right. And um, yeah, I love to talk to her about that <laughs> stuff. And it just kind of impresses me because she's like um, sorority girl. Right. And now she's talking like, I'm like amazed. What is this mystery? You're talking Wall Street Journal. So. Um, all the, finally, the uh, all of the parishioners of Our Lady of Lords who show up for uh, the gala uh, to support the school. It takes a village, they say, and it absolutely does. I'm very proud of our parish. The school is a mission of the parish, and our parish um, has, well, so much going for it. I think we're doing great work for the kingdom, and that school is part of that, you know, our uh, that's all. You are indeed doing good work, <laughs> Our Lady Lords. I saw a photo of my sister and brother-in-law who were there in the booth, and my sister was holding a sign that says, my kid knows more Latin than I do, and he's a kindergartner. Yeah. I love that. That was great. So, Very nice. Well really? done. Good to be back with you, buddy. It's been yeah, over a year likewise, since we've man. podcasted together, so Is thanks. It? We got Who's it. Who's counting? We're back. It's all that matters. <laughs> you got your Jesus Shaves cup, and it's time for Fraternal Group, so we got to call it here. And uh, but we'll, we'll do this again soon, and we'll make sure to have the computer working. Yeah, we're back. Uh, God bless you, everybody. Catholic have a great st- prayer. Catholic Stuff Podcast at gmail.com. Have a great Lent, and we'll see you next week.